I've set the expectation of like, here's when I'm available. In the beginning, obviously it's really hard, right? You want to show up for your clients all the time, but like, if you're not pouring into yourself, how can you expect to pour into others at the end of the day? Hey, you're listening to The Shiro Show. I'm Kelsey, your host and marketing mentor. I got my start in business rebranding my family's seasonal fireworks stand, naming it Titty Titty Bang Bang. After being undervalued as a nine to fiver in corporate, I started Shiro's in 2018. Since then, I've built an online and in-person community of thousands of female founders, worked with hundreds of clients and learned a few hard lessons along the way. Think of this podcast as free and less intimidating business school where you can steal my MBA knowledge to get effective and applicable strategies without the huge price tag. Tune in each week for raw conversations about life and lessons in entrepreneurship with myself and trusted guest experts that will help you scale your business without sacrificing your life in the process. So grab a coffee or a glass of wine and get ready to dive in. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Shiro Show. Today, I have the one, the only, my business mentor, who I am so grateful for, Hannah Nieves. She is the founder of HN House, HN Consulting, and this Hudson Studio. She works with multi-million dollar brands and companies, and it is an honor to have her here with me today. So without further ado, Hello and welcome to the Shiro Show. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. Yes, I am so glad that you are here. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your business, how you got here? Oh, I know. I'd probably be here all day. <laughs> uh, but I came from uh, the corporate background prior to this. I was in commercial real estate, quickly realized I didn't like the Wolf of Wall Street vibe that was going on there. Um, so I took all that experience of underwriting and moved it to a home storage brand where I was director of marketing and trade development. I actually started my business out of burnout, which I'm sure probably some of the listeners here can resonate with. So a little over three, yeah, it was three and a half years ago, I started this business because I went into the hospital for burnout. And that was kind of like that catalyst moment. I was always really ambitious, always really striving for the next thing in my career. And I quickly realized, am I building this for someone else or for myself? And that was that kickoff point. And now here we are fast forward. You know, we had our humble beginnings with just myself. Now we have three brands work with clients from around the world, which is incredible. It is so incredible. I'm constantly impressed. And I know I'm sure I'm not alone in that for everybody who already knows who you are with how you manage literally all these brands. Like it's crazy. You are running group programs, consulting, you have a team, a studio that people can come and attend having in-person events, and you still make time for friends and family, which is just amazing. So you obviously have to set some boundaries in order to make all of this happen. And so what are some of those that you have set in order to be able to do all these different things? Mm. Boundaries are everything. And I think that's like the biggest thing as an entrepreneur is that, you know, you start to kind of bridge the lines between like your boundaries and like, that's where people go back into burnout. I can't tell you how many times I see entrepreneurs go back into burnout even quicker than those in corporate America, because like 
your business is your baby. So for me, you know, in the beginning, it was really, really hard. And I won't lie, like I've been through the seasons of burnout. I've been through the push and pull seasons. But for me personally, what's been really helpful is to really identify like my own, I'm going to say working hours for clients. So that's a big one as well. So I know, okay, like I've set the expectation of like, here's when I'm available. In the beginning, obviously it's really hard, right? You want to show up for your clients all the time, but like, if you're not pouring into yourself, how can you expect to pour into others at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. And now, like we just came back from being out for Thanksgiving and I deleted Slack and Voxer off of my phone for almost a week. And people are like, how do you do that? Like, it's simple. You set the expectation. I knew that I needed to pour back into myself to be able to end the year strong for clients. So that's big, just setting expectations with yourself and just standing strong in them as well. Because if you kind of give in and you're constantly answering Slack messages from your team, answering clients, right? Like on the weekends, late at night, right? They're going to get in the expectation that that's okay for them to respond back. So I think that's just a big thing is just setting expectations with your time. Yeah, that's huge. And I know when I have set that expectation, I feel that much better like going into that week and I don't feel guilty like sometimes if I don't set that expectation and I'm like oh I'm just gonna like escape for like a few days you end up feeling like guilty because you're not responding back to these people so 100% always tell them in advance and then you can do it free of guilt (laughs) I love it All right. So what has been the most challenging part of managing three brands? There's so many challenges. And I think, you know, I talk a lot about this and you know, you know, just from working together that it's easy to get caught up on Instagram with the beautiful feed, right? Like you see the beautiful photos, you see the beautiful photos of the studio and the events that we're doing, right? But like no one saw that we were there until 11 o'clock at night that night cleaning up, making sure the space was okay for the next day, right? So I want to also preface that keep in mind that social media is a glimpse of what happens on the back end. And running three brands, I mean, I've learned, oh my goodness, so many lessons, you know, along the way. And there are some really tough parts of running three brands, right? Like the biggest thing is your time management. If you are not effective with your time, it is going to be so difficult to run multiple companies. And that was one of the biggest learning lessons was really being able to like really manage my time in an effective way. And also managing goals for the brand as well. So we have a very lean team. So running a lean team with three different brands is a task within itself. And we've made a lot of mistakes along the way, right? So I think that's like a big thing for me was just learning how to effectively create goals, how to effectively implement those goals and get to the other side and how to manage our time while doing it, right? you know, I had to release the expectation that everything was going to get done in a quarter or even in like a month, right? It's going to take an extended period of time. And you just have to be comfortable that all of those brands are going to grow at different paces at the end of the day. Yeah. I think that it's easy to get caught up, like, especially since we're in the online world, it can be really easy to think and see that people grow like overnight. And so, like you said, adjusting your expectations of, okay, this is like, doesn't need to take me a month. Like, it's okay if it takes me six months, a year to fully unravel everything that I want 
whatever it is to become is really important. In terms of your time management, I'd be curious to know, and I bet a lot of people listening would be interested to know, like, how did you learn to manage your time in the most efficient way? Like, what are some resources that you utilized? Or like, how did you figure that out? If you were to look at my calendar, it's all color coded, right? It's all color coded with the types of clients, the types of meetings. And it's interesting because I have blocks of time that are just for me. So every day at 12 o'clock, it's lunch and quiet time. 7 to 9 a.m. is my deep focus time. My top three, four to five I have on my calendar. That's my admins and email. And my team even knows like, hey, like during these periods, like I am not available right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm not available. I am focusing because as a founder, right? It's so easy to be reactive and I have to catch myself all the time. It's so easy to be reactive to the message, reactive to Slack, click up messages and things like that. So for me, I always kind of take the principle of the top three. So I only give myself like top three things that like must get done that day must get done. Right. Because otherwise, like if you look at your to-do list and I have right here, you can't see it, but it ends up getting really, really long. (laughs) Right. So for me, it's top three and I aim to get those top three done ideally before 12 noon. So that's like kind of my principle. You have to kind of go with how your energy goes as well. So for me, I know after three o'clock, my brain, like it's going over my head at that point. So I think you just need to find like your flow at the end of the day. For some people, they like to have later starts to the day, right? And they work better at nighttime. So that's a big one. So top three has been really helpful. And then the other thing too is before you close your computer for the day, before you leave, you know, your office, wherever that is, write down what you need to do the next day, write it down. So that way, when you sit down that next morning, you know exactly what you need to do and it's clear. Otherwise you're like, okay, wait, what project am I working on? What am I doing? So if you can give yourself kind of the guardrails there, it's not to be a full structure, but the guardrails, it's going to be easier for you to kind of like chip away at those bigger goals. Mm, I love that. That's really good. I usually like put together what I'm going to work on the morning of and then I'm like, okay, I just spent like 30 minutes doing that. So (laughs) that's so good. Okay. In terms of launching your three brands, obviously I know it took several years. You've just worked towards it, chipped away. How did you set yourself up to launch all of these different ventures? Mm. We started humbly with just myself. So I think that's like the biggest thing. If you're in the newer stages listening to this, it is okay if everything lives under your personal brand. That's how I started. I didn't have these three brands right away. So it is okay. It wasn't actually until going on, yeah, you're like two, two and a half that I realized this is kind of the direction. It took that long to really Mm -hmm. figure out like, no, this is actually the path that we're going to be going down. And that was really helpful because it gave us like kind of the roadmap and like the compass to be able to kind of make those decisions to separate the brands out. So we separated out our brands in March of 2022. That process started in the fall of 2021. So it took a long time before we even like brought this thing to life. Um, I think it was like eight months it took. And reason being, because our community-based platform is growing much larger than myself. And I felt at that point, I wanted the community to be able to take front and center stage versus it being the Hannah show. And so that was a driving factor into separating out the brands itself. And then the studio that started the same time, the studio started September of 2021, and we opened it up in March of 2022. So you can see the process. It took months. It was really calculated. 
like we moved very slowly because we wanted to make sure that every decision we were making was intentional and it was supporting the long-term goal. I think that that is the most important thing for success is like making purposeful and intentional actions. Because if you're just like going towards the next thing, like trudging through the mud and like blindly moving forward, that's when you like get down the road and you're like, wait, I don't actually want to be here. (laughs) Yes. And I see it happen all the time, right? Because, you know, we just talked about this today, but for so many of us, especially if you come from corporate or like, say, for example, you're in the marketing space before this, right? Like there's this belief sometimes that like, okay, I'm good at this. This is the only thing I can do in my business, right? And then we push away these like dreams and visions of what we really want to do because we think, oh, no, 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 this is safe. We know we can do this. And I think that's like a really big thing, especially if you're listening to this as well, because there's so much opportunity out there and like, don't like push away those dreams and visions just because it's in an uncharted territory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can be easy to do that and hard to pursue the things that are in the uncharted territory because it brings up a lot of fear and, and even like imposter syndrome. If it's something that you've never done before, like that can be really hard to move into and completely new space. So Yeah. You talked about burnout briefly, and I feel like this is something that can definitely come up during, you know, the holiday season, managing your business and all the different things that you have going on in your life. I want to know, like, what initially led to your burnout and then what can be some of the, like, warning signs that people should look out for? So my experience with burnout actually stems so much longer actually than that one experience when I think about it. So, you know, my experience of burnout was stemmed from childhood, childhood trauma that just hasn't been released and healed. And I used my career in my education as almost like a coping mechanism because it was the only thing I could control. And I talk about this openly on podcasts, but you know, I was adopted by my stepdad when I was 18. I had a really traumatic childhood. My biological father was not the best of humans, but that was the way that was my ticket out was my education. That was my ticket out of the statistics because most people in my childhood and in my past have gone down the road of drugs, alcohol, the whole nine. But instead of that, I use my career and my education as almost an obsession. And that was my addiction. And it's great, right? It helped me excel and did all these incredible things. It climbed the ranks really, really young. But on the flip side, I had this obsession with the working and it was like, okay, get stressed out. Let's work. And so I had to go through years of unlearning that years of unlearning that. And that catalyst of burnout was just kind of like the kickoff point to it. But When I think about when I reflect on it now, the experiences of the burnout actually stemmed back even in college too. I remember when I was interviewing for Goldman Sachs at the time, thank God I didn't get that job. Um, (laughs) Leading up to it, I remember I used to get like hives on my skin because I would get so stressed out of like, just like the worry, right? But I think for, you know, some of the entrepreneurs that are listening to this episode now, like some of the common things I see for burnout, especially being a mentor and supporting like hundreds of people the last few years. Usually I'll see people start to get a little bit drawn. They're drawn from their work. I can see their energy starts to decrease a little bit more. They just lose excitement for what they're doing. And it's just like, 
Groundhog Day over and over and over. <laughs> Those are things I see and feel on the physical side of what I've experienced and what also clients have experienced before stomach pains, GI issues, lack of sleep. So like insomnia or like the other way around, like they're sleeping too much mood swings, things like that. And just like that impending like doom feeling, those are like all signs. So if you're feeling that in some capacity, you need to check yourself, right? Like pull back. And those are just like, kind of like the kickoff points of what I see. And then it spirals from there. So if you're starting to feel that really analyze throughout your day, like, how am I feeling right now? And do a check-in, like pause for a second. How am I feeling today? And that's a really powerful thing because it's so easy to be so caught up in the overdrive. You need to really sit back and really reflect and get grounded first. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that. Like, I know it can be hard to talk about the shit that we've gone through. So I appreciate you openly sharing that. And that is just an incredible challenge that you've overcome. I'm sure it built serious momentum for you and your business and being able to trust in your abilities and confidence in the things that you can overcome. So that's incredible. And also in terms of burnout, like I have been through it so many times, but never to the extent of landing in the hospital, but can definitely speak to just like feeling tired and unmotivated and Also, I think that it can contribute to just feeling like very unclear about like where you're wanting to go. So what are some things that people can do to revitalize themselves if they're on the ledge and if they're feeling some of these things? Mm, So, so good. So you need to figure out what your like modality is. So for me, it's writing. I love my notebooks. I mean, you know, I have my sketch notebooks sitting right next to me. I love the notebooks with no lines in them and I will detach myself. So turn off my phone, turn off my computer, get outside if you can, although it's getting cold in New York, but like get yourself outside and really just like sit with yourself. I know for anyone listening here, that's a type A high achieving person. I know I've experienced this myself. Meditating is so hard, but I know I need to do it. It's just so hard to sit and just like think about your thoughts. It's so tough, right? But you need to find your modality. So whether it's movement, whether it's meditating, whether it's breath work, whether it's hypnosis, whatever it is that you do, unplugging, you need to have something to detach from there. And then from there, I love to do like small micro things. Like I like to go on solo dates by myself. I'll sometimes go like once a week, once every other week, I'll go take myself out for a nice cocktail. I'll bring a notebook with me and I just dream. Like I literally just write out my dreams and it sounds so silly, but it really starts to invigorate you. And I actually love doing like solo trips every now and then as well. Um, where I'll literally just get an Airbnb, go to a, a mini hotel, go on retreats and masterminds, things like that to really get invigorated. I have found like the most powerful times where I felt the most clarity are when I'm on retreats. And when I'm with people, people who are thinking just like me at the end of the day. Yeah. I also love solo trips. When I went on my first one, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm such a weirdo. Like, this is so weird. But then I am in this Facebook group, Girls Love Travel. And it's all these girls that are like going on these solo excursions, traveling the world. And I was like, I can go on like a weekend trip by myself. Like, that's not weird. 
it's literally transformative. I think it's incredible. So anytime that you can just go out by yourself, just do it, you know, do it. it. (laughs) Okay. So looking forward to 2023, how can somebody set up their life, their business to decrease the potential for burnout? Mm. Get clear on what you want at the end of the day. I think that's a big thing with entrepreneurship is that like to be successful as an entrepreneur, you need to learn how to make decisions and make them fast at the end of the day. If you sit with the indecision, if you sit there questioning back and forth, right? That's when you stay stagnant and you don't grow. So if you're thinking about next year and and thinking about burnout, or maybe you're reflecting on 2022 and saying, I don't know, I'm not doing that again, you know, (laughs) get clear on number one, like what types of clients were you working with? Like if you're a service-based business owner, what type of clients were you working with? Did you like working with all them? Be honest, right? Do you actually like the work that you're doing? Get clear on that. Going back to the point I said before about like, there's so many people out there, a lot of clients I even work with that build the agencies, the consulting firms, the EDU platforms, but they realize like, oh, actually this part of my business drains me completely. So really just get clear on that. That's number one, get support from other people. That's number two, right? Like if you don't know the answers, that's okay. Get the support that you need, reach into your community, tap into your community and build the business that's going to support the lifestyle. I can't tell you how many times where I've been on the back end of businesses who are at seven figures plus who are making less money than the people who are at two to $300,000 a year to give an example. Right. And it has nothing to do with how they lead. Right. But it's about profitability. And at the end of the day, I don't know about you, but I would much rather make a little bit less money, but know that I have my peace and sanity at the end of the day. Because no matter what milestone, this is another thing I think people get really tripped up about because the online world just glorifies, you know, multiple six figures and seven figures and eight figures, whatever, and beyond in revenue, right? We glorify this as if it's like the end all be all. But I will tell you from personal experience, hitting these financial milestones did not change me. I did not feel any different. I felt the same. I used to question it with my husband and be like, okay, I hit this massive milestone. I hit this six figure month, but like, I don't feel any different. In fact, I feel a little more stressed out, but I don't think <laughs> And I think that's like the biggest thing is just really getting grounded on the fact of what's important to you. Is it freedom? Is it spending time with your family? Is it building something bigger than you because you want to sell it? Get really grounded on that. Like screw what everyone else says online. Like get grounded on what you want. That is like my biggest piece of advice. Yeah, that's so important because there are so many opinions in the online space and it can be really, really easy for you to like just waffle between what everyone else is saying, what things that you should be doing in your business in order to achieve certain milestones. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because whatever you want, you started this business for yourself. So get clear on what you want. Love that. So now that we're in the 2023 chat and conversation, you are the queen of visualization, planning, and expansion. And so what should business owners be doing right now? What questions should they be asking themselves in order to prepare for 2023? Mm. 2023 is going to be a really pivotal year. And I say this because, you know, a lot of business owners, even including myself, right? A lot of people came in in the 2019, 2020, you know, COVID era, right? Where is that 
2020 surge. So many people were starting online businesses because they were getting laid off, X, Y, Z. 2021, I'm losing track of the years now, was like pedal to the metal. 2022 was starting to become this recalibration year, this foundational year of people realizing, oh, I actually don't want to do this anymore. You saw a lot of people exit the industry, right? Yeah. Then you have other people who are shifting their business models. I foresee 2023 being a massive expansion year, despite what everyone says. Why? Because you're going to get more and more people who are going to come into this world, right? Like 20% of all these tech companies just laid off their employees. What's going to happen? They're moving to the freelancer world. They're moving into the online business world. Corporate America and corporate roles are not secure anymore. We all know that. So I think there's going to be a massive opportunity for online businesses to support these new people coming in. That's number one. Number two, especially during times of transition and recession, a lot of millionaires are created. A lot of wealth is created. If you have access to this knowledge, and I encourage every single person who's listening here, do your due diligence. I did not have access to this knowledge at all. I didn't come from even a white collar family, right? Like my family didn't know any of this, but I educated myself. Surround yourself, listen to the podcast. If you can put your money in investments now, it is going to pay off. It's going to pay off. I think 2023 is going to be a beautiful year for so many people. If you look at it, if you change the narrative around it. That's so good. That's one of the things that I want to embody is abundance in 2023. So I love that. That's really powerful. When you sit down for your team and your companies to map out your annual plans. What does that process look like and how can somebody do that for themselves? So we do an in-person, well, I also can buy my team is close to me, so this helps. But if it's not, you can do virtual. So we sit down and we go over everything. We go over the data. We go over like how many leads came in compared to last year, statistics for sales, statistics for client happiness, XYZ. So we go over the data and then we go over each department and we say, okay, like what were the wins for the year? Maybe what are areas of improvement? And then we kind of like bucket out product suite. That's one marketing. That's another team organizational operations. That's another bucket. And then we kind of comb through our top three priorities underneath that. So when we walk away from that and we use ClickUp for this, we basically break out our company goals. Now we do it by company. So we break it down. But for you, this might be by section of your business. So once we have our top line revenue number, then we're going through and saying, okay, like what are the steps that we need to take to move us to that? So we kind of break it down into little micro goals, but we use ClickUp to keep track of all of our projects. Now, if if you are writing solo, you might not like ClickUp. That's okay. Notion's great. I mean, good old pen and notepad if you need to do that. (laughs) But break down those sections. But the most important piece I forgot to mention is that I always start off with how I want to feel for the year. I get really grounded on that. I actually like revenue is kind of like the bottom of it. That's like the last thing I'm looking at. For me, it's more along the lines of how do I want to feel and what do I want to profit at the end of the year? Because sales is one number, profit is another. Mm -hmm. That is a really good outlook. I like that perspective. It's completely different. And you can make your investments accordingly. Exactly. And that's (laughs) what we start to think about. 
what type of investments are we going to be taking to expand? Like I always invest in community network building experiences like masterminds, like other communities out there, memberships, you know, things along those lines, networking events and charity events and things like that. Because number one is community building at the end of the day. So that's always a line item on our marketing list there. So we look at the investments and we actually like plan those out the year before. Oh, that's so good. I love that. And that's like literally why we're launching the Breakfast Club because I just want more people. You know, I want to know more people and have conversations with other business owners. It's so powerful in just gaining insights into other people's businesses and growing your network. So I love that. In terms of your marketing plans, what do you do to map out your 2023 marketing goals, objectives, plans, what content you're going to be putting out there? Mm. So I start with the anchors first. So I, I kind of map out, for example, so for 2023, it's not necessarily about new, it's about doubling down on what we're really doing well. So for us, we put the anchors of when, you know, our programs are starting or when, you know, we're launching XYZ service or event, things like that. And I let those be the anchor and our content and marketing plan is basically created from that anchor plan. So we know that our content and our marketing supports whatever is going to be upcoming as well. We built our entire company off of referral and organic marketing, not to say paid marketing is not okay if that's your thing, but we started with organic first. One of the things that we're going to be testing out is some level of paid traffic to amplify the work that we've been doing. And that's another thing as well, but we kind of break down again, the anchors, and then we break down the different uh, traffic sources. So, you know, we have a pretty omnipresent plan at this point with email, with social podcast, texting community blog. I mean, you name it, we basically are doing it at this point. So it's more about just rinse and repeat repurposing. Mm-hmm. When you are repurposing your content, like what percentage of it are you changing up? Oh, that's a good question. So short answer is it depends. So we actually this year scaled back down. For example, like we used to do a weekly email blast that was to our newsletter list. We would take like a, you know, top performing Instagram posts for the week, kind of repurpose that or one of our blog posts. I found it was too much. So we dialed it back down. We only do monthly for our email right now. We're actually going to be amping up our podcast frequency. So right now we've been doing once a week, once every other week. Now we're going to be once a week solo episodes. So we're going to be amplifying that up, amplifying our text community up because it's honestly one of our high performing platforms that we use as our text community. But for me, I start with the anchor. So if the podcast is the anchor or the blog is the anchor, that's getting reproduced on social. It's getting shared in some capacity on the newsletter. So I kind of like to start with like one piece and then move it around to the different platforms. Oh my gosh, that's so good. I can vouch for her text community. I mean, I haven't really like actively participated and texted back, but I love the weekly reminders that come through in my texts on a Sunday. Like it's so refreshing and it really sets the tone. So I will put a link in the show (laughs) notes so everyone listening can go join. Okay. Well, thank you so much for all that insight. That is just wonderful. Before we close out today's episode, I wanted to ask you some rapid fire questions about 2022. First one is what is the thing that you're most proud of from this year? I think Camp Thrive. I think to be honest, when I think about it, Camp Thrive was number one. Number two, well, 
Yes. Camp Thrive, Necker Island, my founder's dinner. Those are like some of my top moments I think I had throughout the year. And it's funny because when I think about the things I'm most proud of, every single one of them were in-person experiences. Like for me, it was full circle because Camp Thrive was year three. Yeah. Year three of running it. Mm -hmm. And going on our, I think, eighth or ninth round of BAA. And I was like, wow, we've been doing this for a while. (laughs) And it's been consistent. And it just came full circle to see like everyone in person. And that was such a beautiful thing. So it all just tied together. But for me, the most like accomplished times of 2022 were all in person experiences. Yeah, I love that. And I feel the same way in terms of like in person. That was like the happiest and the most fulfilled is when I'm in person with other people in the past year. So love that. What is your biggest challenge that you faced this year? Ooh, oh my goodness. I experienced many challenges throughout this year from losing family members to experiencing miscarriage, which I openly talked about, to having to lay off an employee. I have experienced some really tough things on a personal level this year, all while running this business at the same time. And I think, you know, it's one of those things while it happened, I've learned so many beautiful lessons about myself during the process. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that openly. I know that can be so hard to be vulnerable. So thank you for sharing that. And it can be so like, you would have no idea, you know, like outside of you, you know, sharing that with your email list, people would have no idea that you're going through all, all these challenges in the background because everything is so put together on Instagram. So that just goes to show, don't judge a book by its cover. (laughs) So true. Okay, this is a fun one. I'm excited to hear your answer. What is a trend that you hated this year? Oh my goodness. (laughs) That's a really good question. Oh, trend that I hated. I would say there definitely were some Instagram real trends, like especially like some of the dancing ones where I'm like, I used to sit back and think like, there is no way I'm just doing that. Like, I'm just not that creative. Like for me to get on the dance floor anyway, I need a cocktail. I'm like, okay, you want me to show up dancing in front of my my audience of like 14,000 people? So yeah, I think there were definitely some like Instagram real trends that I just would question sometimes. But I think too, to go back to like our conversation, it's just going back to like who you are and like you know, what you see for the brand itself, you know, we've still been able to grow without jumping on trending reels or trending audio and things like that at the end of the day. I admire that because we've definitely dipped our toes into some of like the trending sounds. Absolutely. Not so much the dances because hell no, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't got those choreographed moves. I wasn't on the dance team. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. What is something that you are keeping moving into 2023? Mm. Just my passion for serving people. I think, I mean, that's just like a given. I think sometimes it's easy to get so caught up with the business growth and the stats and the strategy and all the things. And really at its core, like I'm here to serve people. And I have to sometimes remind myself that like, even though things can get complicated, things can get overwhelming. Like at the end of the day, this is what I'm doing. So Mm -hmm. I think to me, I'm just walking into 2023 really grounded. Like we've set such 
strong foundations and built a reputation that's really strong at this point. And now at this point, it's just amplifying all the work that we've been doing. Mm -hmm. As somebody that you serve as a client of yours, I can say that you do it very well and your passion comes through and it's a gift. So thank you. Like when I scream in boxer, you know, just. Yes, exactly. It's perfect. (laughs) It lands well. I hope so. (laughs) What is on the docket for you, all of your brands in 2023? And what can people expect to see from you in the new year? Yeah. So nothing is really changing in terms of, you know, what we're offering, although the frequency will change. We have our two flagship experiences for H and house. Those are running two times for BA and ones for thrive. And then we have our offers for H and consulting and that's it. That is it. So if you need support or want to listen to a podcast, want to read a blog post, like there's tons of free content at H and house. That's beautiful. Simple and sweet. I love that. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining the Shiro Show. I appreciate you sharing all of your insight with our listeners. We'll be sure to share all of your links in the show notes. Any closing thoughts? This was so fun. Thank you for having me. It was so nice to just like talk about burnout, talk about the things that got me and probably a lot of listeners here to where they are now. So I just appreciate you having these conversations because I know they're not always the prettiest conversations, but they're the real ones that people really need to see. So yes, it's good to talk about the shit that stinks. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much. And we'll see you next week on the Shira show. Thank you so much for listening to the Shiro show. Don't forget to check out the show notes for any links and mentions in today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love to hear it. Please take a few moments to leave a five-star rating or review. It would mean the world to me and it'll help us get this podcast into the ears of other people just like you. If you just can't get enough, I'd love to hang out with you on Instagram at WeAreSheRose. Come say hey. I will see you next week on The Shiro Show.